Hello, and welcome to episode three of Culture, Comedy, and Coding. Again, I'm Jairus, the host. My guitar certainly needs new strings. Wherever you may be, I hope you've had or will have a productive and rewarding day. Today's episode is the work and the why. And it's not just how we see ourselves doing the things that we do, but also how we share our calling with other people. What makes work work is the interdisciplinary aspect of it. If you're an exceptional software developer, it's not that you are simply a code monkey, but you're able to look at requirements, go through discovery, plan, assess, kind of create a template, organize your thoughts, communicate that back to the business, gather more information, and then start to build. Like a lot of things in life, you must detect circularities. Identify what the end state is. If you may encumber yourself by selections that you make during the planning and the build phase, then habits you from being able to scale and grow to your ideal future state. I'm reminded of my time growing up in my later adolescent years in northern Indiana, called the snow belt. So you would get the lake effect snow from Lake Michigan, and it was absolutely horrendous in the wintertime. And one of the sports that I did growing up was track and field, and I was a distance runner. And training, especially in the wintertime, was absolutely brutal. But anyone who knows anything about middle and long distances, you have to create a base. So between November and March, I planned to run at least 800 miles. And at my age now, that's absolutely doable. But of course, when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, that's a complete lifestyle. It becomes what you are. But despite the weather, whether or not it's extreme cold, feats, yes, feats, plural, of snow, a blizzard or two, even days that schools were shut down due to snow days, I'd be out running trotting, of course, bundled up appropriately, but I knew I need to put the work in. It's kind of funny looking back at it because people would drive by or they look out their window and I swear they kind of give me that look like, yeah, that boy ain't right, but he goes. Races that I wanted to compete at at the state and national level, times that I wanted to achieve, and the thing about me is I don't mind competing and losing to better competition, but I would be incredibly dissatisfied with self if I look back and say, I could have done more. This morning I was directed to a beautiful post by a fellow participant of the Marine Corps Marathon this weekend, who is a physical therapist and works specifically with folks who have been affected by Parkinson's. And prior to meeting this person months ago, I knew very little about this illness or this disease, how it impacts quality of life, who it impacts. And it's just saying up, right? I would either look at ads or just sadly enough ignore it because I thought it was something that was primarily an older person's disease. And in reading their posts, 
an absolutely beautiful post that makes it personal, shows the severity of it and how it impacts people. So this person is run on behalf of their friend who is a gentleman unable to compete. And naturally I thought, well, yeah, this is probably some masters gentleman who's done a dozen or so marathons in their life. And, you know, it's just going out there to enjoy it. And then you dig a little deeper and you see that the person they're running for is under 40, is a veteran and Parkinson's affects their everyday life. I shared this story because the why and not just the work matters. A couple years ago, I was working at a publishing company in Tampa, Florida, and I wrote an article. I ran a race against some of my old college teammates in Arizona. Surprisingly, it was a race named after me called the Hot Chocolate 15K. And I did well enough. I got fourth in the race. Would have ran it had we not been drinking for the last three days incessantly. But interesting enough, I was able to raise money for St. Jude's Hospital, which was absolutely incredible, but I shared just some to tell with my colleagues at the time. And I shared with them my why. I didn't say I was doing uh, repeats and I'd lost 10 pounds for the race and I was in exceptional shape, but rather said that I was a veteran. I served with people who have been maimed, have lost body parts who are no longer living and I train intensely because I want to honor them with what I do. So I share that story not to say that this was this person's workout regimen. But what gets us off our ass and is motivated isn't just the work, it's the why. Work. A lot of us are work obsessed. I love the query, people. Because I have a hunch. I'm pretty certain that more than 90% of the people, the worst thing that can be said about them isn't that they're overweight, that they're disgusting, that they're sexually promiscuous, that they are incompetent, but rather the number one negative thing that can be stated about someone is that they either don't work hard or don't do enough. And this is probably why we see the things that we see on social media, the validation. Here's a toast to my Friday happy hour, or here's me in the specific setting. This is me working out excessively at the gym. These are the things that I've obtained because I work hard and I should be rewarded. And I'm not here to question someone's work. Interesting enough, I think probably only in the last six to seven years is hard work actually applauded for the longest part. If you couldn't get what you needed to get done in the time that it was allotted, like people would laugh at you like, well, you're not competent enough to do what you need to do in an eight hour day. But now it's like, well, shit, I'm working 12 hours because I have a career. There's things that I need to do, but I'm not going to question that. I want us to actually draw and rein in our focus on something else. It's the why. Why are we after the things that we do? What is our calling? What can we give? 
What are we meant to do? Think about the things that you do, the way that you build yourself up, the work at the gym, and education, and studies, whatever it may be. The things that happen within side of you, the four walls that are you, are meant to serve and help a world outside of just you. Your knowledge, your service, your love isn't meant to be isolated or confined. It's not meant to be restricted based on who you feel is deserving. It's meant to be given. And that's why I focus on the why. Therapy has helped me look and double click into the why. Oftentimes in very uncomfortable <laughs> ways, but always very helpful. I was reminded by a friend who listened to this podcast that said, Cheers, you're a Christian. You should probably talk about God. And while I have my varying opinions on modern Christianity, specifically large churches, you know, I, sh I should talk about a few things, about hope and the why. So at least I'll mention a scripture that kind of details how I think a Christian should posture themselves, the position of a church, and potentially the hope that we have. So it's First Peter 3.15, which says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. But why? Why do you believe? Why do you do? Why do you do the work that you do? Always be in a ready position versus being reactive. Know yourself. But also share. The reason that I'm doing the marathon this weekend isn't because someone looked at my Strava account and said, well, you look like a pretty prolific runner. You know, maybe you should do this marathon. It'll be great for you. No, it actually all just started out with a conversation. It was a curiosity. It's like, hey, why are you doing this? It's absolutely incredible how I was encouraged and I find myself possibly in the best shape of my life prepared to do something incredible. If you've been like me and you've kind of turned life into a competitive sport, I hope that you can sit back and look and think about the opportunities that you have to provide hope, relatability to other people. And when I talk about life being a competitive sport, I would do what a lot of people would do. It's like, how can I out-argue? How can I out-love? How can I position myself in a way that I stand out? When I think about my life up until now, I can account for strife, struggles, achievements, milestones, powerful moments, incredibly depressing moments. And it's all been work. We are all work. But people ask me why I coach my son's soccer team, why I play the guitar, why I attend the church that I attend, why I'm running this race. Why do I go to therapy? Well, I hope that I can be an incredibly positive influence 
or my son. I love spending that time with him. I love getting to know his friends and being a positive role model. I enjoy a sense of community, love, and acceptance, an ability to not always get it right, and sometimes outside of the walls of the Christian church, and unfortunately sometimes within the walls of the Christian church, you can't have that as well. Therapy's incredible. I love having a conversation with an intelligent person. And unless I'm schizophrenic, I have to make sure that that person's not me. But yeah, I'm generally prepared to give an answer. There's so many things I'm hopeful of that drives what I do. And it's not about how I see myself doing these things. But more importantly, I want to be able to share why I do it and how it's impacted me. Our calling is not just one thing. It's one of many. But let's not make it competitive. Let's not just make it about the work. Again, it's not meant to be isolated and confined to self. It's meant to be shared. You're incredible. You're amazing. And people without a doubt deserve to see that. But let's go a little bit further. Let's lean in. Let's have conversations. And let's show and prove why so much more is possible. Thank you for listening to episode three. I'll certainly have some feedback on how the race went. But in getting to know me just a little bit more, I hope you sense my why. Good day and good luck.